Hello friends, Brian W. Foster here, and welcome to Between the Sheets, the podcast. Just a reminder, you can watch Between the Sheets live at twitch.tv slash criticalroll on Mondays at 7 p.m. Pacific. The VOD is available immediately on our Twitch channel if you're a subscriber. That subscription gets you early access to all of our new shows and some badass emotes by our beloved Arsqueef. We truly appreciate all the love and support you guys have shown us since we've launched these channels. Thank you so much. You can also watch the VOD for Between the Sheets on our YouTube channel on Wednesdays. If you want to check out merch, our event schedule to see where we're going to be next, if you're looking for all the latest news, you can find all of that at critroll.com. And don't forget, you can catch Critical Role live in New York City on Thursday, October 4th. Tickets are available now via Ticketmaster, and you can find all the details at critroll.com. My guest on today's episode is Taliesin Jaffe. We sit down and discuss everything from surviving child acting, not fitting in, growing up goth, and so much more. I had a blast getting to know even more about our immortal goth dad, and I think you will too. Enjoy. What are we drinking today? Uh, we are drinking a blonde Manhattan. Ooh, cheers. Cheers to that. Citrusy goodness. Mmm. Why'd you choose this drink? It's delicious. I was at a friend's house who has a very complicated bar set up, and I really wanted a Manhattan, and the ingredients for a Manhattan didn't exist, and so he kind of bullshitted the whole thing together with, um, what's the base of this again? It's moonshine. moonshine. It yeah. is literal moonshine. Yeah. And we didn't, I didn't find out until months later. I was like, I, somebody's got to have done this before since it's such a good fix for yeah. that problem. And it was so tasty. It's a fix for a lot of problems. So yeah, I, we, we, it, was, it was just kind of a happy accident that we ran into. Yeah, it's citrusy, it's uh, strong. Yes, it yeah. very strong. We should take our time, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so where'd you grow up? Here, born and raised, L.A. It's so rare you meet someone it does that's not happen from often. here, right? I was, I was born in Venice Beach. Wow. Uh, like, off the canal. <laughs> someone was juggling fire sticks on rollerblades passing by as you were being well, brought was, into this Well, it was world. hundreds of years ago, so it was just sticks on fire. Oh, yeah, but, that's true. <laughs> it was actually the day the wheel was invented. <laughs> so very, it was an auspicious day. You come from a pretty big family, a I pretty do. interesting family. Um, what was that like growing up here with... Uh, thankfully, I was, I was, I'm the oldest of, of my generation in my family, so I didn't have to deal with any of them growing up. They all had to live up to me, which was a much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it gives me a nice head start on a lot of things. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my family, though, is eclectic. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. In the best ways. I was going to say, say have, you met, have you met much of my family yet? Or have you not? Been... I've met a brother. Okay. I've met a mother. Okay. Maybe another brother? It might have been another Maybe brother. Maybe I've met two brothers. Okay. Yeah. Because how many of you are there? Well, I mean, there's, there's, oh God, it's complicated. Um, there's my two brothers and my sister, yeah. and then I've got some cousins that get interesting, and then uncles and aunts, and then the family, the family is extensive. Uh, my dad and, and that side of the family, which is, which is a different kind of strange, but also equally strange. Yeah. And your grandfather yes. was George Axelrod, yes. a famous writer, director, producer. Def definitely writer and director and, and a little bit of producer, although I, I, it's one of those things where, where he was occasionally very unsuccessful at it, so I don't yeah, know Yeah, 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 if, that, if that's going to make the old uh, it, CV. It, it goes even further, but his parents, uh, well, his parents, but um, uh, on, 
pops and the other side and the carpenter side of the family we have we have I have great grandparents who are in the industry as well like it actually really? goes it goes way back I had a there's a my great grandmother was an actress uh, uh, Betty Carpenter uh, was a silent film actress yeah a couple of her films still exist they're hard to find really yeah that's pretty crazy Two. and then and then she married a producer like you do yeah um, and then retired <laughs> That's what I plan to do. Yeah, well, it's, it's living the LA dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, my grand my grandfather was a playwright and a and a and a director. He he wrote. Uh, it's so strange to talk about this. Like, I'm glad. Out. I know it's. I'm it's, glad you're talking It's one of those it. things yeah. that we don't normally do in this I know. business. Um, yeah, he he wrote um, uh, uh, the Seven Year Itch. Yeah. The play and the film. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote um, the film adaptation for uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. And, uh, um, Did he work on My Fair Lady? Or not something? My Fair. Oh no, he was. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it was uh, Paris, uh, Paris when it sizzles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He did a uh, bus stop with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Uh, oh God, there was a few others. Were you guys Breakfast close? at Tiffany's? Oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's what I was saying, but not that My Fair Lady. One. Yeah. Uh, very. We were very, very close. Yeah. Um, uh, growing up was at least once a week. If not, really? Not more. Yeah. Is that, was that your first taste of sort of show business, was being around him? Well, it was weird. I mean, like, the whole family is kind of in the business, save, save one uncle who, who uh, decided that the, becoming a lawyer was probably a better, a better <laughs> direction to go. Well, with your family, you guys probably needed one, right? Uh, <laughs> needed one in the family? He's done some work on occasion. <laughs> he's in Australia. He's, he's deep out there. Yeah, uh, but, lawyer uh, in Australia, sure, <laughs> sure. He's got a gator necklace on at this very moment and God, a, leather, so. a leather tan. In my wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't weird because it was life, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And, and I was working, I mean, I had a SAG card at like seven months old. I was, I was a working kid. Gerber my mother, baby. My mother was, was a working actress at the time. I mean, my, my father was, was writing scripts and producing stuff and, and it, it my grandfather, my other grandfather, not George, the other time was uh, um, uh, producing films, and I think he was head of the DGA for a little while. I mean, wow. like, this is, and then my other uncle was was producing for, for I want to say, uh, was it uh, CBS? He'll kill me for not remembering. He was he was one of the big executives in one of the television networks. Let's hope he doesn't watch it. Oh God, I hope not. No. There's a great story I remember you telling me about uh, your grandfather, about George Axelrod, about oh, there's so many. The heart when he was having a heart attack. Oh what, God! What his final words would have been? Oh my God! Oh, so so I got very okay. I have to set this up because this is a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very him story. Um, I got really into Japanese animation when I was a teenager. I was like, I became very obsessed with it at a time when it was it had not quite caught on. Boy, had it not quite caught on to the level of, level it is today. This was yeah. in the nineties. And I got obsessed with dubbing. I thought dubbing was really fascinating because a lot of that I felt at the time, and I, I feel confident in this, uh, in this opinion, that a lot of dubbing was very, very bad. Uh, and I was, I was fascinated as to why, and especially growing up. The in, American dubbing. Oh, the American of the dubbing anime, of the yeah. anime was, yeah. was all over the place and kind of a mess. Uh, some of it was very good. Some of it was not. A lot of it was not. And I was fascinated as to why and what was going wrong and, and just, just from... Uh, Growing up around theater people and film people, I was like, there's got to be, what's missing? What, what are they doing wrong? What is this process and why is, it not, why is it not easy? And became obsessed with it. I started a club in my high school at the time to, that was an anime club, but we were also doing our own home dubbing. Wow. Trying to like, and some of it's so bad. How would you do the home dubbing? We had, um, we would use like the AV club equipment and oh God, so 
this the did project. you sneak it out of the school at night? Oh, they were then... totally into it. No, oh, no. really? Oh, well, you had then, permission. Well, I had permission. And then once I was out of high school, and I like, I was like, I've got this big. Pro I saw this show called Evangelion, which changed my fucking life. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna dub this shit. Um, and I got a bunch of my friends together, and like, we literally. One of my friends' uh, dad worked for Dole Pineapple, so we oh, got yeah. a grant from Dole Pineapple, and they we used that money to rent some tape decks, took them to the valley, to a sound studio in the valley, and like. You're carrying it out, and your friend Ricky. He's like, where'd we get the money for that? Dole. Big, big pineapple, Don't worry man. about big it. Pineapple. Yeah, I know people in Big Pineapple. But, like, we got, I mean, like, there was, I mean, like, I called up random fucking people. I got a hold of random people. I, I found a voice actress from the Max uh, through a friend who was, like, I was a big fan of the Max. I thought the VO work was great. Yeah. I got uh, Roddy McDowell, who was an old family friend to be in this in this thing with really me. oh yeah he came out and did the whole he came and did dubbing he did dubbing for me in my in, in the valley and wow this, this, this is just setting up so I got George this, oh, oh this George. Is yeah, George. We forget. yeah your um, yeah your grandfather so I, he I, I wanted him to do a part just because he has a he had I mean you can find videos of yeah him yeah his he has voice a great is, voice yeah yeah it's just heavy and great and wonderful timing and it's sweltering it's a hundred fucking degrees in the studio and 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 it's very hot and we're taking tapes we're taking uh, takes and it's a, it's it's going at speed. He's getting a little sweaty, and at one point we're we're like halfway through a session, and he looks a little pale, and he stands up out of nowhere, takes two steps to the bathroom, and collapses on the ground, and unconscious. And we panic, yeah, um, and run in, open the doors, and like start dialing nine one one and. And trying to wake him up, and his eye. At one point, me and and my friend are uh, like on, on top of him, basically trying to like wake him up or like see if he can see anything. And his eyes just burst open. He just grabs our collars and says, "Don't let me die in the valley!" Oh God! And then passes back out. <laughs> That's right. That's what it was. And, and it took it took oh, several man. minutes for us to actually call nine one one because we were laughing so hard. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was. It, it really interrupted the ambulance. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, and thankfully he was fine. He, he was survived fine. that. But oh yeah. If those would have been his last words, it probably would have been, been the most. Very him. It would have been very brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's interesting to me because every story I've heard about him, it's like Talison makes more and more sense. Oh yeah. No. And then when you meet someone from your family, it's sort of the same way because you guys are all very personable and very uh, dark. Dark. <laughs> a little, yeah. A lot. <laughs> Everybody has their own uh, eccentricities, which I think is is and, really interesting. And, and we're snarky people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but not like hatefully. Uh, yeah. It doesn't come across like like bitter no. or like when I do it. Coming from that kind of a family, and it mm. doesn't sound like uh, when there's that many sort of talented people in the family, a lot of times there's competition. It doesn't really sound like that's how it was for you. No, I mean, and, and we were all kind of had our little uh, fiefdoms, fiefdoms. Yeah. We, we were not, and there was there was no real competition. We would comp compete with other people, but amongst ourselves we would just uh, uh, demean and belittle each other out of good fun. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah. It was just it was a practice and fun and then we would be truly cruel to people outside of the family. Yeah. Um, no, That's and, how and, a family stays together. And everyone did well. It was, I mean, we were all one form of another successful in what we were pointing out to do, whether it be emotional success or financial, and, and both were both were given were given uh, um, pretty decent weight by everybody in the family. So 
you seem to surround yourself with a lot of different types of people. You know, you like you don't, a lot of people you can look at their friend friend group and the closest people to them, and everybody sort of resembles each other in some way, sure. personality wise. You have such a diverse group of people. I, I collected a, I've collected a menagerie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you have an army of the dead following you all the time. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a bunch of different things. It, child acting is weird, yeah, and it makes you a little. It, it's a. It's a. It's a weird thing that to to have happen to a person. And my experience as a child actor was weirder than most. Uh, Why? My parents were not gung ho about it, so there were, there are aspects of the business I just didn't have to deal with because they were not. Um, they were not pushing for it. Mm-hmm. They were. They were kind of. They were very trepidatious about everything I did. There were a lot of good gigs I turned down. Um, that what's one you turned down? What's what, um, that that maybe I would know about? Uh, here's a fun one. Uh, uh, apparently, I was offered Elf, not the alien, but the kid in Elf. So really, uh, we were one of the people offered that part, and and my or at least at some point it was floated. Uh, you know these these things. Uh, I think Daryl was another one, if I recall. I'm sure it's been so long; wow. it doesn't matter anymore. But that would have been interesting had you ended up on Alf. I'm really glad I didn't. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time, I was very upset and going, "This is a bad choice." And I heard it was kind of a contentious environment. Everything my parents ever said no to ended up probably being for the best. My, yeah, my, my mom had a good spider sense about about these things. Now that's interesting because a lot of times when you run into people that end up child actors, there's parents a lot of are very pushy. Parents are very pushy. They're showbiz parents, or they're Trying to take all of their kids' money, and you know, my my mom had been an actress, so she kind of had a sense of it and was aware that it was kind of a, you know, she, she was aware of the of the pitfalls of it, and also had grown up also in this environment with, yeah. with my grandparents, so was not enthusiastic. Yeah, uh, and uh, also just due to the nature of of the way I grew up and, and spending time away from school, I didn't actually like know any. The thing that happens, I think, to a lot of child actors is that they're they're bouncing back and forth between like an attempt to maintain a normal social life with normal children, and then this work environment, and then back to a normal social life, which I think can be very dissonant. Yeah, I didn't bother ever meeting any other kids. <laughs> Just yeah, it wasn't really a thing that happened very often. I knew a few, but it was uh, it was v- there were very few. Was it hard to relate to? Kids that you would be around that weren't in the business because it was such I was never a big around any of them. So yeah, just that's uh, nice. just I, avoid I, I them altogether. I, I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't. I knew a few, but they were very rare. By the time you started to really figure out, okay, this acting thing is working for me, did your parents kind of come around? Because you said they were a little reluctant. They at were. First. I mean, like I had a good agent. Uh, I, I had. I had. God, I had a heart attack. I was watching a. Um, the disaster artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. Right. I was watching the disaster artist, and there was the part where he goes to the agent. She had this like this 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 old woman with with the hair, and she's just smoking. It's just turn around. It's like, all right, you know, she she books. I'm like, yeah, that's that I was feel your, that. And then they're like, I signed with like, Iris Burton. I'm like, oh, too real. That was your <laughs> that was my agent. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. Stop the movie right there. That's I remember too much. you telling me that when the movie came out. And it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. That's yeah, and, and oh, she was a great agent. Yeah, bless, bless her. But uh, yeah, I, I I it didn't occur to me to do anything else. Also, I was I was enjoying. It. I, I kind of knew it wasn't going to last forever. Um, I wasn't as emotionally invested as some other people were, and I, I made. And what do you mean? Well, I mean, a lot of those kids, it really becomes part of their identity. There becomes this big success push where it's like, this is what I'm doing. I don't even really think they necessarily think it through very. Mm. I, I, you can't think it through really quickly when you're that age. Right. Unless you're weird. Right. Um, and I, I, I knew some other people who were a little more. Uh, some of the kids that I met were were a little more conscious of it and kind of understanding that this was a small piece of 
the larger mosaic that is life. Yeah. And I also knew a lot of older actors. I, I, would, I was spending enough time with my grandparents that like most of the people I knew when I was 10 years old were in their 50s or 60s. Yeah. Kinda, so that was the kind of advice and kind of emotional energy I was getting was from people who had kind of already, already been there. And I was a very relaxed, you know, human being on that, in that level as well. Yeah, I, enjoyed, I would say so. I enjoyed the company of older people. Considering how you turned out, <laughs> do you think that being around those types of influences and having those kind of voices in your life are what helped you avoid the pitfalls that a lot of child oh, actors end up falling into? I, I, I could have, I, I will say reintegration into reality was, was um, rough, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, when I did finally quit, very consciously, um, attempting to relate to people my own age proved very difficult. Mm. Very difficult. And uh, if I had succumbed, especially if I had succumbed to the, to the desire to be more like them and, and be accepted, which could have happened very easily, um, I, I could have gone down some very dark paths. I could have definitely gotten, I mean, like, I went down a couple dark paths, but like not the yeah. traditional. Right, exactly. Not necessarily the self-destructive kind. You were more of experimenting, right? And no, but to find... attempting to attempting to be liked and popular by creatures you don't understand, and, and I didn't understand how real pe people, how real children acted at all. I, they were yeah. alien creatures to me, and I had never experienced anything like them. And I was not good at um, reading social cues or figuring out what was happening. So, is that how you think you ended up? really ultimately not caring about fitting in was after that experience and going, I can't relate to any of these people my age anymore because, you know, my life has looked so different up until this point. Um, at what point did you just say, fuck it, I'm just going to be me? And That's easy. I was at a boarding school, uh, freshman year of high school. And, uh, did you go to boarding school for all of high school? Just one year. Oh, oh. Um, it, was, it was bad. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a lot of bullying, a lot of... Suspenders? Lot of so many suspenders. Uh, it was it was a rough year, and uh, in the midst of it, uh, I kind of had I had I would have what I would call a, a classical nervous breakdown. Oh yeah. Um, this, this school was in Colorado, so it was in the it was this mildly isolated reality, and uh, I had just had the worst goddamn night, and uh, I kind of snapped in the middle of it, uh, and and uh, I dragged like one of the chairs out into the snow and I, I just had this big breakthrough and put a little side table next to it and put a radio up and started playing some music and opened up a soda and sat and watched the sunrise and was like, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to make this work. Wow. I, I just kind of had this moment of like, I think my problem is that I'm trying to make this work and I'm just going to stop trying, trying to make myself fit. Yeah. And I'm just instead going to be and let the chips fall where they may, because this is exhausting, and I'm tired, and I'm bleeding, and I'm just, I think I've had enough. Yeah. Um, and if this is gonna continue, I'd rather it continue with me doing much less work. Yeah. Uh, to make these people like me, and to be something that they like, and I'm instead just gonna, I'm just gonna, if I'm gonna be awful, and like not liked by these people, I'm gonna be not liked for good reasons, and yeah. I'm just gonna stand by it, and. And honestly, it was it, like I never had another problem again. I was, they, these, the kids woke up in the morning, and I was sitting in a chair in my boxers in the snow, yeah, watching the sunrise, drinking. How often do you think about that night? A lot. I mean, I, I mean, it's 
that year was the worst year I've ever had in my entire life, and this is the measure. It's the diehard of my like. Everyone should have a diehard of like. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So that when terrible things happen to you, you'd be like, it's not as bad. Yeah, it's that moment. It's not as bad yeah. as freshman year in high school. Freshman year of high school was really shitty. Yeah. And occasionally, like, oh, that's so close to freshman year of high school. That's really bad. But I lived through that. Yeah. So that's a good sign. And occasionally, really shitty shit happens. But like, you should have a diehard. Yeah. To be like, that's the best action movie. That's the action movie by which we judge yeah. all other action films. Do. Agree that it's a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Of course, it's a Christmas movie. It's about family and love and friendship. <sighs> that makes me feel better. You referenced a minute ago before you quit. Mm. Uh, is that the Baywatch story? That's the Baywatch. Tell the Baywatch story. <laughs> this is something you already know. Oh my god! I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta figure out which stories I haven't told you. We take a lot of flights together, and we I always. Do. Just, I, I, get, I want all the stories. I, I try and have five years of good stories banked up with people yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. keep interesting yeah. for a series of time. Yeah. Yeah, I was 13, I want to say. I was 13 years old, and I... and I 12 years ago. Yeah, well, Lord. <laughs> Way more than... 1,200. It was in the 90s. Um, 1790s. God. And I got sent an audition for a, for a character in Baywatch. And the, the thing that you have to do as a child actor is there's a lot of you have to leave school early, you go on auditions usually two, three times a week. You, you leave school 15 minutes early, 20 minutes early, drive this thing, do this thing. Then you go home, and you know after you've sucked two hours out of your reality doing that, do the rest of your schoolwork and otherwise. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot. Sounds exhausting. It's fucking awful. This script was so, it was a Baywatch character, and it was like, it's, there are people who write children so poorly, and this was, this was awful. I mean, mm. it was just sappy, saccharine. It was a whole weird thing about showering. It was awful. It was awful and was comedically bad. Yeah. I know. It was, it was like, you're like, hmm? And like, yeah, it was a, a little weird. A Baywatch script. You're telling me. A, a Baywatch. Baywatch script that's comedically bad? It was comedically bad. Wow. And like, I, it was supposed to be this very in, like intense emotional moment and like, it was just so, it was so bad. Yeah. And I kept giggling. I couldn't get through it without giggling because it was so dumb to when say. When you're sitting there reading the script, I'm reading with my dad, and I'm like trying to get through. It's like when, you know, when he taught me to jump up. And, I can't. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't. yeah. This is so. Hold <laughs> on. His response to this was, "Well, if you can't take this seriously, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this." And he That's said it was right. like that intense. Yeah, and it wasn't meant right. to be an aggressive intensity, but he's very much. He's just a very intense guy. Yeah. Um, he's very sure of things. And I was like, "Oh my God, you're right." <laughs> That is such a good point. Call my agent. I'm done. I quit. I shouldn't. That was your epiphany. Yeah. That was, was like, your moment. There are going to be peak. There are going to be kids in that room who give a fuck. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This is insulting to them that I'm sitting here giggling through this shit that could actually like, like pay for life. No. I, yeah. I, I yeah, should, yeah. I shouldn't be. I don't deserve to be in that room. Yeah. I want to grow my hair and like do weird shit. And yeah, I'm done. I'm done. That was it. Yeah. It was. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Have you ever regretted that decision? No. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> You seem too happy to have a regret that would be that heavy. God, I don't even know if I have any regrets. Do I? Have any? I have a, I have a few regrets. My regrets are always about regrets are always about saying no to something. They're never about they're like it's always like these. So your regrets are: I wish I would have said no to this or that. I like, wish I would have said yes. It's oh always, yeah. It's always like things where like I don't know if I'm the best person for that gig or I don't know if I have enough feel like I have enough experience for this thing. Yeah. And then I watch the person who does take it just make a shit show of it. I'm like, oh for fuck's sake. I have a feeling, I, I, I've always nourished the suspicion that regrets are, you know, like poison living inside of us. The only thing that I, the regrets that I'll dwell on are if I've treated someone poorly and I regret that behavior. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fair. Um, and I definitely, oh, I mean, like, anybody who has any 
basic level of, of, uh, of um, human decency. Oh, I was going to say mental illness, but oh, one or the other works really yeah, well. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has that like midnight thought of like, oh god, that poor pizza guy that I really treated yeah. poorly back in 1994. <laughs> I remember every moment of that conversation. Why was I such an asshole? <laughs> yep. If that pizza guy is alive and watching. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he, he is. He, he is. knows who he is. He knows who he yeah. is. He doesn't. Oh, He'll god. never forget because someone put a ball gag on him when he went to the house <laughs> to deliver a pizza. He's like, that was the guy. Mohawk man. Oh, I was like nine. Are you kidding? It was, it was, it was Bowie hair at the time. I want to know what you did to that pizza man. I was just, I cut in line and was kind of rude about it and was very demanding and then he kind of gave me a talking to, which I deserved. Uh, and that stuck with me. I was like, ah! I was someone who could not handle talking tos from adults that weren't no, my parents. No, it did not go well. Don't don't come at me with anything. I'll eat you alive. I I just I froze until until post post a uh, um, freak out in junior high in freshman year. Yeah, high school, freshman and then year. I went like full heathers and was like, fuck it. Whoa! At what point though in this youth did you become the lord of the underworld? And start getting into the goth scene in LA. It kind of started in junior high, and then it crystallized after after freshman year of high school. Was um, it because of people that you were around? Was it because of stuff that you were reading? What really? I was I was aware of the goth kids in junior high school. I went to I went to a performing arts school that was very it's it's the I mean it's comically LA. It's called the Crossroads School for Performing Arts. I mean. Everyone sounds very. It's if if you're from LA, you know it, and it's yeah. where it's where the most obnoxious children come from, and I'm definitely part of that crowd. Yeah. Um, and it's got a really it's got a really good theater department. It's it's one of those schools where the theater department is given a lot more love and attention than the sports department. Oh yeah, and that's rare. Yeah, there's things like if you're in a current theater production, you get to pick a test to just blow. You're like, oh, that Spanish test, I ain't taking it. Boom. Are you serious? Yeah. How many of those do you get a year? One. Oh. One, but it's well, no, one per performance, so technically you can get three a year. Wow. Boom. For each of the plays or whatever? Yes. If you book all three, which the competition was heavy. How long were you at that school? Two years. Okay, so that's where you met some of the people that... There was some, the, the, it was the goth kids who were going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the time. I was a little young for that reality. I, I kind of just got in at freshman year and was like, this is amazing. I, and, and then Jim Henson died. Uh, and I wore black to school. Um, oh yeah. And then never stopped. <laughs> I love stop that. For, that's one of the big points of connection for that. It really hit me. Yeah, because for you, it's not a phase; it's a lifestyle. Well, I mean, and it made so much sense. And like, there was a, if you if you look at the way that his funeral was handled, it it it, it was such a it's such a testament to a certain um, to a certain. Uh, um, Idea of life, and like there was, the, the, you couldn't wear black at the funeral. Yeah, that's what I I'd read that. Yeah, and it was a bit of a party atmosphere, and like this is starting to make a little more sense to me. And and oh god, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna end one day. This is gonna be over, and, mm -hmm. and there are no guarantees about about what the rest of this is going to be, if anything at all. So so let's let's just let's just go with the assumption that you have this this allotted amount of time. Let's keep some things in mind and and move forward with that assumption. And, I'm amazed that anyone cannot have that realization and not immediately delve into deep levels of com compassion and pity for the rest of mankind. Because this is this is a this is a shit deal. No, I agree. Uh, yeah. And if this is it, God, be nice to people and just this is that's all that's that's all there is, and it's, it's it's the only thing that would actually go away if we were all wiped out is just people being nice to each other. It's yeah. A, it's the only actual thing that human beings accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and the rest is just shit. And, yeah. Or just will go. I mean, just everything else just goes away and and and. 
again, raised by my, my parents were hippies as well, which I think inevitably leads to a bit of this because there's a bit of death denial in that culture. Yeah. Not, not, not strong, but like there's definitely, every now and then we have a running gag of, of we, we meet Crystal from Ojai, who is, who is our, our, our atypical uh, California hippie. Yeah. It's Crystal from Ojai. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the running gag. <laughs> there really was a Crystal from Ojai, but she became everybody from Ojai. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now, if you're from Ohio, this very passive notion of nature and this very passive notion is very vegan and I'm healthy and this nature is so beautiful and wonderful. Like nature is nature is beautiful and it is wonderful. It is also it is and this is a thing that I'm actually playing with in my character right now is the natural state of life is that most things on planet Earth live a life of starvation and terror and hunger and die violently. Yeah, they're... That's yeah. nature. <laughs> yeah, many species spend their whole day trying not to get eaten by another species. Almost everything on planet exactly. Earth. Exactly. Or is so hungry is, is desperately trying to find enough food to make it through the day. That is, that is... And then if they do find it, great for one more day, and if not, they get caught by something else that's trying to eat them, and then it's just over painfully. Yep. That's just... That's... I mean, like... Yeah, we the, have it pretty good. There's a grimness <laughs> to this, but there's also, there's a suit, and there's, the, if anything, I think it, it, it definitely is something that can, uh, this is what human beings bring to the world, is that we've kind of started to get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing civilization has managed is that we're, we're no longer, at least some of us, are at least have broken this cycle, and we're hopefully can get everybody else out of this cycle. Yeah. So... It's a, what age were you at when you were having these realizations, the Jim 15. Henson thing? 15. Uh, oh, the Jim Henson started at 13, and it was about 15 when I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to lean into who I am and yeah. and let the chips fall where they may. Did you find other people that, because that's a, that's a young age, in, in my opinion, to be having a lot of those realizations it was and thinking young. about a lot of those things? Because when I was that age, I was like, where am I going to get a dime well, bag was, and new wheels I was already skateboard. going to, I mean, like, and I grew up with a bunch of people in their 50s and 60s. I was already starting to go to funerals. I was watching oh, people yeah. who were huge influences on my life as a child. Die. I mean, like, I, I've been to a lot of funerals. And yeah. almost, almost everybody who knew me before the age of 13 is dead now. Wow. Uh, most of my experiential friends, and not all of them, but an enormous number of them are, are just, they were old. Yeah. And, and they're gone. So it's interesting they because, hard. yeah, they've lived full lives, really. Mm -hmm. But growing up with those kind of influences in your life, I can tell from knowing you, and you can see the benefit of that. I think it also helped you, like we talked about, avoid a lot of those pitfalls that child actors end up. It was nice knowing happy people in their 60s, yeah. It yeah. was like, it was good to see like, okay, whatever the fuck you did seemed to work out okay. Yeah. And a lot of that was, it was have money, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Working on Lessons, some days, some yeah. years better than others. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so you found people immediately that were sort of at that same place as you were around that I age. went to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was very helpful at that time. and and. Most of my experiences there were very positive. Obviously, everybody has some some negative experiences in that kind of environment. But but I met uh, a reasonable amount of like-minded, reasonable people who were um, looking looking to, to to do something a little off the beaten path, whatever that that was. And, and that was very helpful. And, and some of those people I'm still friends with today. I mean, it's been 25 years, and we're still I still know where they are. They still know where I am, and we we still do things together. Yeah. That was, I don't know if it's still such a, such a good place to find people like that, but definitely at the time, it was a revelation. Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of the goth kids coming out of L.A. and the Valley came through, and, and we definitely and, um, kind of met the people when I started moving out and, move, and, doing, and like living on my, not quite on my own, but with roommates in Los Angeles, because 
I don't know how anyone lives on their own in L.A. It's yeah, so expensive. It's, it's expensive and it's it's hard. It's a hard city to live in uh, alone. Mm. Yeah. Some and some of my best friends came out of that. You're somebody that always has a strong sense of community. Mm. So That's I'm healthy. listening to you. Yeah, I'm listening to you talk about your family situation was a, a community. A fucking crazy, awesome one, but a very still, crazy like, and a community. There were amazing people who were always. I, I got to meet amazing people, and I got to spend time and have conversations with just strikingly intelligent, brilliant people who who have who have done good work. Um, I got to meet Terry Southern. I got to meet fucking. Uh, fuck, I mean, like so many. Yeah, I mean the fact that Roddy McDowell came. Oh yeah, Roddy. Roddy was around a lot. For you. Um, it was crazy. Tuesday. Tuesday Welds was around a lot. I, I got to meet, uh, spend time with Elizabeth Taylor and Greg yeah. Peck, and and, and uh, I will also say while they were, my grandparents uh, took me to New York for for uh, a few weeks at one point, um, and they were like, we're going to. They were very specific. My my, my and they were like, we're going to give you an experience out here because we want you to imprint this, because this is the goal. Mm. This is the life we want you to have. Available to you, and so you're going to spend um, s- several weeks. And like, and what I would do is during the day I would go out with them, and like we would like uh, met like George Plimpton, and, and like wow. would go to the museums and have and and meet uh, at the Gershwins for God's sake. I mean, like we'd go to these lavish, interesting parties. Yeah. And then at night I would go out in Goth Club and, <laughs> and wow, get, get wasted, both wasted in, in 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 Manhattan and Brooklyn. Yeah, it was, and it was very much. They were like, this is. I just want to imprint this for you as the goal. Yeah. And this is the community you want to build. This is the life you want to have. Yeah. They were very, they were very good about that. Yeah. You went from family community to you had this also community of older people in, in and out of the business that were you know speaking to your life. And then you had found at a time of real transition in your life yeah. like the community of goth kids. Well, and, and yeah, and, and my grandparents had lifelong friends, and like my grandmother was still friends with her friends from high school and, and college, and my grandfather, my grandfather a little less so, but but he had a he had he had his work friends and his work friends, uh, the people he had worked with and partied with when he was he was a big partier at the time, um, were, were good lifelong people and, and took care of each other. So it was it you was had a good that good model. examples set for you, yeah. It's like that's where I want to be in my sixties. Yeah, same. Yeah, you'll be fine. You yeah. know, you know everybody, and everybody loves you. I just need to get the Malibu Beach House, and everything is. is yeah, well, the colony. Got to get, got to get a place in the colony. <laughs> I uh, would offer to help you with that, but I've been busted for credit card fraud so many times. Oh. I don't know how much money I'll be able to. Colony is amazing. Together. That is, that is, that is the one time I've been in an unbelievably swank, rich neighborhood and been like, I would live here. This is really nice. Every other one, I'm like, this is a little pretentious and bullshit. And I went there. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, <gasps> the neighbors would see you moving in and call the cops immediately. I, oh man, I got to stay. I got to take some, some of my unscrupulous friends to the colony a couple times and like stay in a beach house for the weekend. It was the best shit. It was the best shit. Oh. I can't imagine uh, the amount of SPF 9000 you must have to put on to lay out at a beach house. Well, you was, sleep in a coffin every night, right? Well, I mean, like, I've got, I've got several spread out across the city. It's, you gotta... When, you know, when you're from Venice, you can just move that. That's dirt that's easy to get a hold of. It's true. Um, no, the, and like, the, I'm, it, for, I guess for people who don't know, uh, the colony is is a set of 200 houses uh, in a in a private uh, in a in a Enclosed, gated community. Yeah, community. And those houses are are almost all rentals, and they usually are rented to people who are disturbingly rich. Yeah, and Beyonce rich. 
Yeah, I, I saw Sting down there once. It's very much that kind of place. Really? Yeah. Sounds like a kind of a place Sam Regal would hang out. Ew. Yeah, that's why we don't go that's there That's why anymore. we don't go. I was trying to remember, who, who were we visiting that time? I'm trying to, oh, it was a... Uh, Gary Busey. No, oh, I, I once, but no, no. I met Gary Busey I once. I met Gary Busey once, it too, was at a weird new enough. age, it new was, age event. Yeah, it was enough. <laughs> also in Malibu. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's over there. No, it was, it was Walter Matthau's house. It was, oh, it was really? Walter and Carol, Carol Matthau. Who were was really, he still alive at the time? Oh, yes, yes. You got to hang out with him? I knew him knew him pretty well. And Gregory Peck? Oh, yeah, I knew a lot of, I knew a lot of people. That's <laughs> things, crazy. Things, I know it was it was phenomenal. It was a it was a great it was a great reality that makes no goddamn sense anymore. No, it doesn't. And I feel like there's so many legends back then. I do wonder about you know who are the legends of our time that we'll talk about that way. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He oh, I was at Matthew McConaughey's house when I was <laughs> 16. It was a there was a backyard wrestling tournament that day at his house. Right. So you decide to quit after Baywatch happens. <laughs> So you almost, true. Although I'm, I'm upset that I can't go into YouTube and search. I can remember that Kelsey moment Jaffe, so well. Baywatch. I remember, like, I remember the, everything in that moment of like, nope, no, I'm out. That's it's right. a good one to end on. I can say I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. But what did you do between quitting that and then deciding, okay, I still want to act, but I'll, I want to do voiceovers attractive. I, I didn't. I well, I didn't want to be in voiceover. I, I had a friend at the time, uh, Nick Debar. He was really into anime, and we would we would watch it together. And we were we had a few other friends who kind of were in our little anime nerd club. Uh, I still talk to a couple of them, Ricky Simons and Tavisha Wolf. A few of them yeah. went into the business and make comic books now. Yeah. And I just got really again like my brain that was really into the idea of how do you break this down, how do you make this work, uh, got obsessed with figuring out how to do this. Mm. And so I, I made a demo. I made that demo with Roddy McDowell yeah. of, of of this this VO dub. And, and uh, after shopping that around for a while, someone took pity on me and let me uh, direct a few really uh, low, obscure, deeply obscure um, uh, anime anime dubs for Pioneer Entertainment. And I slowly kind of built a reputation as the weird guy who does the weird shit. So yeah, because my stuff definitely. Sounded different than everybody else's because I was approaching it from a very different place. Because um, you think that was influenced by how big of a fan you were of the. It was. It was. Thing. It was influenced because I was coming at it from from a technical acting standpoint of like, why are these performances not landing? What is it that feels off about this? The things that people are complaining about. What they're oftentimes when you see people complain about something in a film, what they're complaining about is not what they think they're complaining about, oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Of like, if you're saying, like, this performance, the beats here are really weird, you're not complaining about the acting, you're complaining about the editing. So um, when I say that I absolutely hate Ben Affleck and Batman versus Superman, you're, an, you're, you're, saying you're is an asshole, is I, what I'm saying. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> well, we There's knew that going no in. No amount of editing question. can fix that. <laughs> I feel bad. So then you're directing. So then, how do you end up getting on the other side of them? Honestly, just occasionally because I hire somebody who can't quite can't quite do it, and You'd I have to I'd step start in. stepping in. And then at some point, I start doing it in other shows, and it just is sort of a slow roll. And and you direct long enough, and you should you should pick up how this works. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do eventually. And I'm you know, I was an actor, and I was trained, and I was you know I've 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 done theater, and I was still doing th like a little bit of theater on the side, and I was like, okay, I can. I don't know if I can make a living doing this, but this is fun and I like it and it's low key and I can fuck up my hair and yeah. I don't have to do. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you normally have to do for on camera acting that I don't have to do here. So that's it's the stuff I like about acting, and it was, uh, part of it with the acting was also I knew I was never really going to be the guy on a horse in full armor doing like dumb shit. Like, Probably not. Yeah. 
And it's like, I, I, the, I'm aware of the kind of parts I'm going to play. I don't want to play those parts. Yeah. I'm kind of done. So but I get to be the guy in the, in the, in the armor on the horse now. Exactly. So. Did part of you miss the actual acting that you did as a child? Was it like you enjoyed that? You enjoyed the performance art aspect of it. You didn't, you didn't care for um, celebrity and a lot of the stuff that people get hung Oof, up no. on as a child actor, but did you miss playing characters and really embodying somebody else? Yeah, I, I I missed I missed making interesting decisions and having I mean, but I I I loved writing and I got a lot out of, of that. Although very little of anything I wrote I ever got produced. Yeah, uh, well that's <laughs> it how it works, just right? A pile of pile of good D and D characters. Um, Some and, of them could still come out. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, and directing directing is is really oh god, if there's anything I miss right now, I really miss directing. Really I love. Uh, I mean, like, do you like the collaborative aspect of it with working with other people? Do you like shaping something from page to screen? I love actors. Actors are the fucking best. You're the anti George Lucas. Yeah. No. I mean, or, I mean, like, and poor George is like this. Is this, but like a lot of directors I, I meet these days don't have the slightest fucking clue how actors work or mm. what to do. They're just like and act. Yeah. I'm like. Say it like this, and then you're like, "Oh Lord!" Give you oh line reads versus, yeah, and and being able and like I've had so many actors like I've been in a booth with people and we've been workshopping something and getting it work, and I've had so many actors just have that moment of, "What the fuck is that? Oh my god, that's so interesting! Can we do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do it!" Yeah, yeah, and found so much. It's such a, I mean, it's such a thrill finding something with somebody in that way and finding a new uh, something new in in. Uh, oh God! This is so crafty. This is so behind the voice actor. Um, Tell me now. So one of the things I love is script readings, and I would sometimes write something, and then poor, poor Lauren Travis. I, I, was it Lauren Travis? Got to go to my script reading ages ago for some pilot I wrote that I was very proud of. Uh, never got made. Is it on tape? No, I actually maybe. I took them to this weird house in Malibu. It was great. Um, you keep taking people to weird houses in Malibu. What I do. Uh, <laughs> Yet they all keep coming out alive. It's so weird, but I wonder how transformed they are in the process. I get, I'm getting better. One day I'll lose one. Uh, Hopefully but, it's not me. But yeah, I had like I had this script that I wrote, and I had this character, and I had an actor come in and um, sat down and read what I wrote and found something in it that I hadn't seen. Mm. And I've never had and like watching an actor take a script, read it, and then as a writer going, well, I have to go rewrite everything now because yeah. you just changed. I don't even know if you're going to be the person who plays this part, but you just fucking changed everything. Yeah. Because whatever it is that you brought is so interesting and it is was here that I missed. Yeah. It's that collaboration. It's finding things in people. It's it's bringing people on emotional journeys. It's it's there's, God, it's just I love I love watching people sculpt these things, especially people who are really good at it. And I love watching young actors get better. I love mm. watching people get better at things. I love watch. I, it's just. Yeah, it's I could fulfilling. What's your favorite voiceover performance you've done? Um, I'm a nerd. I got to play the Flash in, uh, oh, in yeah. Justice Two. That's that's. I will play a superhero any fucking time. I love superheroes. I play so many games where a villain comes up, and I think to myself. They should have gotten talent. I love for this playing part. villains. I love playing villains. So yeah, because much. I feel like you, the way you approach characters is. I love writing villains. Yeah, and the way you approach a character is, 
okay, here's the sort of usual tropes or here's what people would expect from someone who is this, looks like this, sounds like this, etc. I'm going to remove all those pieces and then add in a lot of unexpected. Oh yeah, things. I love. I mean, like, I, I get, I get obsessed with it. I like. I, there's definitely some, some. There's some auditions I've turned in that have definitely been like, I'm never going to get hired. But man, I'm proud of what. I but you turned. wanted to make it was a choice. So fucking yeah, I was like, yeah. I made some choices, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You asked for choices, you got them. <laughs> like, They're probably at home listening to it, going, "What is this? What the but fuck if is you're this happy shit?" With I'm like, it, ah, yeah. I know this character better than you do. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> How does that, so the voiceover community is also another, so you're jumping from community to community, oh, community yeah. throughout your life. The voiceover community is a very small, tight-knit group mm-hmm. in, in Los Angeles. It's everybody pretty much knows each we other. We take care we, of each other. Yeah, we, you know, we see a lot of the same people, a lot of the same stuff that we go to, and definitely a group that looks out for each other. Yes. And then that's how you end up meeting some of the people that end up on Critical Role with you. And starting in that home game, I I I'd like to think I have an eye for talent. I'm, I'm one of the other things I used to do is I was a casting director. My mother was a casting director. I was a casting assistant for. And a while. your mother was an acting coach too. Right? She was an acting coach, yeah. a manager, casting director, actress. She 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 worked a lot. Yeah. Uh, she last things was a was a high school theater teacher. Wow. Uh, in in her retirement. Um, she had a lot of uh, eccentric clothing choices from her kids. She had to support. Well, you know, we we had we had needs, all of us. <laughs> um, but I've been in voiceover longer than just about everybody in critical, and then longer than anybody in critical role. So I got yeah. to watch. I got to watch Matt Mercer happen. I got to watch Lauren Travis happen. I got to watch Sam and Liam happen. I less got to watch Ashley happen because she was happening in a different corner of my reality. Were you working in Dallas around the same time that Travis and Laura were starting up over there? So, because I know you had met them. So they had kind of are they were they were both already kind of conquering. I ended up in Dallas for a year. I got um, um, I'm very good friends with a, a director out there who's now out here named uh, Chris Bevins, who yeah. was, who was kind of kind of one of the the more experimental directors out of Funimation. Um, and I had a I was kind of in a weird place in my life at that moment. I didn't really know what I was doing. And he was like, "You want to? We 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 picked up this show called Beck." Uh, I'm like, "I know Beck. Beck's, yeah. a, Beck's a great show. I pity the poor fucker that has to dub that. That thing's a nightmare." Yeah. He's like, "You want to come do it?" I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> and so I packed my life into my car, drove to Dallas, and lived on uh, Clarion Harp's couch for a year, wow. uh, dubbing, dubbing. Uh, one of the most pleasant dubbing experiences of my life was dubbing Beck, Beck. Marley, and Chop Squad, and that's where I met Laura and Travis and. Troy and uh, just Brina Plant, just a huge talent yeah. pool out there of really talented people. Yeah. Um, and then when Laura and Travis on that show, they, they, I met them both while I was out there. But when they made the the move to LA, to LA. Um, I cast them uh, or pushed to have them cast in the Street Fighter games. Oh yeah. So that was that was kind of a like oh god we have these people yes 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 yeah yes, yeah yes, yeah. Jesus. And then uh, Sam's been around. Liam's been around. Sam for so and Liam. Long too. Well, I got Liam's. I got Liam's demo tape. It was a VHS demo tape uh, uh, when he was first moving out here. Do you still have it? Uh, somewhere, yeah. Let's find it. It's amazing. It's cuts of an anime called Boogie Pop Phantom, which is whoa. He's very good in. He's very good. I can imagine. They're, 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 they, they both were very talented. Yeah. I think Crispin Freeman gave me their, their their demos, and then I hired them both to be in a cartoon that I'm very proud of called R.O.D. the TV. Oh, yeah. Where they played uh, brothers. 
who are they were unnamed brothers in the first two episodes, and I we just in the script called them Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. So yeah, of course. Uh, but they were both phenomenal, and I was a very big fan. I was a very big fan of Liam's Boogie Pop fandom. I was I thought he yeah. was horrifically talented at the time. Then you get invited to this home game that is now this sort of you know nerd culture phenomenon uh, <laughs> who would have who would have ever thought I had, well i mean like i had already been playing for a couple of years with yeah. that cuz he had a different home game different game with um, a few other show busy types and friends yeah it was it was a it was a slightly less vo and more eclectic uh, group and it was a good game it was a lot of fun um, different kind of game um, he also was co-dming which was which was uh, an interesting I really enjoyed it, but like, yeah. it meant that NPCs could have long conversations with each other. Oh yeah, which was always all the players would just be going. I guess we'll yep, go to this the is, bathroom. This right is now. happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The NPCs argued. That was that was a very fun game, and that hopped around for quite a long while. And then, yeah, this game, I, I was literally. I mean, like while I knew everybody involved, I was literally called him. It was like we need somebody to be a ringer. Mm. And it was very much the you 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 know the rules. You can make sure that no one does anything. You can make it's, it's not that worried that anyone would do anything stupid. It's just to remind everybody that they can. How the game is played. Yeah, another person there to encourage people in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. like because because the the only two people who really knew how to play were me and Marisha, so we were kind of the yeah yeah push in the right direction. You were only really would consider yourself close to sort of just Matt and Marisha. At the Matt time, and Marisha, right? I was very close with at the time. I was I was very friendly with everybody else. Yeah, but it was we weren't. I mean, like we were just sort of different. Not as not a real family like no. everyone is now. No, uh, Matt and I were very very close and had been had been friends for quite a while. And then when Marisha got brought into the group, uh, she is uh, the fucking best. So yeah. it was very easy to be like, ah, oh, new best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We like you. Yeah. Um, we were a little hmm at first, and then and then it was. I miss having a room to bring everybody into. Like I, yeah, I, miss, for, I miss people being uh, brought into a private room. Yeah, for the like, whispers. I what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or like, or like that one time Travis got transported to the Vey Wild, and we're like, we still don't know what the fuck happened. He was like out in the living room. Like, yeah, for twenty minutes, you guys just ate anything. artichoke dip. Yeah, I got, I got in the previous game, I had gotten pulled in one. Me, me and our friend Chloe had been pulled into a, uh, 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 like the realm of Ismodius, and we're. Fighting demons, where like the rest of the group were like eating Doritos and doing fuck all. Like, <laughs> Everyone's <gasps> checking Twitter. Yeah, this shit is insane. Do you miss the home game vibe, where it's it's a little bit more? There's less pressure because you know you don't when you go home from a home game you don't have. I I don't and I don't know if people notice this online. I do my best to kind of ignore <laughs> yeah. the outside world. Yeah, I don't tweet a ton. Uh, I'm not on Twitter a lot. I'm not. Uh, I don't want to say I ignore the cameras because I don't. They're there, but I, I definitely I treat the cameras as like a friend sitting in the room. Mm. And I don't. You know, it's like every now and then I will like acknowledge that they're there and be like, "This shit, yeah, it's crazy." But like, I'm not. I'm, I'm not really interacting with it. And uh, I miss. I miss. Uh, I miss some of the food. The food was was buffalo chicken dip that Laura would oh, make. Oh, that cream I cheese. That, that it was the cranberry cream cheese. Yeah, it was just like it was uh. breakfast. I miss the all day games. Yeah, the uh, marathon brunch games. Yeah, yeah, and, and I miss being brought into the other room. Otherwise, I, I feel like we've held maintained. On. Yeah, I feel like it's maintained pretty fucking well. How uh, that actually leads into what I was wondering about: how the success of the show has seemed to only make everyone closer. It's like everyone went. We have no idea what's happening. We didn't plan on this. We don't really know how to navigate these waters. Whatever we do, we have to make sure this thing stays as, as pure and as, as 
playing know, any any D original. Game, any yeah. good D and D game will bring people closer if you're if you're doing it right this way. So. Yeah, it's an analog adventure sort of in a digital. But I'm world, I'm right? I'm always I mean like I know a lot of oh God I know a lot of people, um, and I know a lot of people pretty well. And uh, my my theory my theory is is I, I call the orbital theory, um, which is that there's. You're only really capable just through the sheer amount of, there's only so many hours in the goddamn week that you can be super, super close to only so many people. It's maybe like, maybe five or six, maybe five or six people you can be really, really close to. Yeah. It, you, you just, there's not enough time to be that close to more people. Right. And then you can be pretty close to like another 10. Mm. And then you can be okay friends with like another, another 10. And then there's a bunch of people you know who you're very fond acquaintances of. And, that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that. And then every now and then somebody in that close orbit is going to zoom to the outer orbit or otherwise for reasons that are beyond our control. And suddenly there's a vacuum and, and then somebody from the outer orbit. And so I have a lot of, I mean, I've always through my life had people in the outer orbit. I'm like, one day, one day we're going to we're gonna spend some time. It's going to be fucking great. Yeah. We're going to have like two years where we're really fucking close and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know when that day is going to be. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's there's tons of people who are, who are like just, you're just waiting for that for the right moment that I'm going to be seeing you twice a week. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and with you guys, it's interesting because we've all we all spend so much time together. Yeah. Now. And I, it's funny because people will ask when you get back from a convention and when you get back from, you know, a trip or something, and it's like, are you guys all sick of each other yet? And I was, no, I feel like we get closer every time we go somewhere because yeah, we're all we're all sort of. Figuring out how to navigate this thing one step at a time, we're all figuring it out together. Um, but there's such a like with you, you have these pillars, you have these core things about you that mm. will never change. Thankfully, no, they're and, very solid. And I feel like with the show and with the group, it's I haven't seen anyone budge on any of those things, and that's why I think everyone has remained so close. No, no, and a lot of and most of us have experienced some modicum of fame, and most before the game even started. So we were we kind of knew what we were in for. I I did the the fame thing when I was a teenager with with, with Mr. Mom in, in 2010 and the acting, and I got all illusions of that out of the way. And, yeah, and, and got a sense of like, oh no, this is the bad part of the work. Right. Um, or not bad, but but this 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 is this is this is not the good part of the work. I right. suppose would be the, the better answer. This is yeah. not the thing that's fulfilling. This is the thing that's exhausting. Um, uh, and here are the ways that you can make it delightful, and here are the ways that you can make it positive. But it's this is this is not the reward. Mm. Uh, the reward lies elsewhere. If you think this is the reward, you're going to get re- you, you know you, it's like eating the packaging of the food. It's really pretty. Someone worked very hard on it, but you're not supposed to consume the damn shit. Yeah, the rewards um, in the relationship really. The, wor- the, the, re- the rewards in the work and the people you're doing the work with, and the the, the rewards in, in, is in the best work and and again the people directly in there. And then anything else is is you can make the best of it, and it's 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 phenomenal knowing that everyone is is enjoying this and is touched by this and that there's good that can come out of this. Um, but it should never be the point. Yeah, the uh, focus. And you right. should never, you should never, you can't, you can't think about it, you can't, you can't make that the point because then you get weird. Yeah. And I've watched people get weird. I mean, like, it's, it, it's a thing that happens. You can, I've, I got plenty of friends who cracked. Yeah, uh, and if if you can do it right, it's very grounding and very positive. And and but you, a lot of people don't understand what the what the uh, cost of it, uh, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's a fair cost, but it is a cost. But it is a cost. Yeah. yeah.
I have seen everyone grow. Oh yeah, since the show even so good. started, it's been so good for my for my for my work. Yeah, what what have you what what have you learned about role playing and about improv and about sort of acting and and when to? I've learned that improv is actually useful for something. Yeah, which is something yeah. I did not believe. Right, <laughs> right. More, yeah, unless you're going to a improv sports oh, dinner the, theater. It is yeah. the flypaper of acting. It's like, oh, this is fun. I can do this forever. And like, oh god, I'm still at the improv twenty years later. What yeah. happened? My that's life. true. Yeah. Um, improv. Improv is one of those skills that that like is good to develop. And it's very useful, but a lot of people decide that's everything that there is, and then never leave. Which yeah. is it is. It's a weird like little lotus flower. Yeah. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I've become a better actor. Mm. I've gotten faster on my feet. It's sharpened my skills. It's made me think about character. Uh, I've already thought about character, and now I think about character much more strongly. Um, what do you? What do you think? Writing. Yeah. In what way? Um, Watching the natural flow of events that happens when you have creative people just moving a story forward has has given me um, um, a better sense of, of how to of how to move story forward and, and how to let people be people and it's mm. it's and also just watching very very different minds be clever and be funny and be interesting is, and is make always, mistakes. Oh yeah, mistakes are. I mean, I mean, some of the funniest. That's, that's all that good fiction is: is mistakes. It's like yeah. no one wants to read the story of somebody who did everything, everybody, everything right all the time. Yeah, that's that's dull. No, that's yeah. boring. You create memorable characters, and I'm thinking about just in the D and D world alone. We've talked so much about Percy. We've talked so mm. much about Molly, and now Caduceus is on the scene. <sighs> How important is it for you, you know, we talked before about how Molly really resonated with a lot of people. And yes. I said that that was a testament to your heart and personality that you put into characters. How important is it for you to go, I want this person to have some of my qualities, or, you know, if I'm playing a character, I want it to be a completely isolated and separate person. I, I, I don't believe in isolated and separate people, so... There's, there's Percy. Percy definitely has a lot of me in him. Meaning, anything that you will play or that you will create will inevitably have something of you. In we're, there. we're complicated mechanisms, human beings, and there's, there's a lot of, a lot of Percy came from questions about myself, and a lot of Percy came from, I mean, like I, Percy was originally a script. Yeah, uh, I remember you saying that. It was, it was a question I kind of asked metaphorically that, that kind of turned into a character that kind of grew from there. And but, but I. What questions about yourself? Did he come from? Um, what is the person in the bargain that I can I can love and relate to? That um, when offered, I can give you this thing to satisfy a very base feeling in you, and in return, ten thousand people you'll never meet are going to die. Wow! And it was very much the like I want to find a person I can love who can say yes to that. And he was very much he was kind of the, the the beginning of a person in the original story that I wrote was very much the I'm. Consigning the future, I'm consigning the future to to this inevitable inevitable negativity in return for my own personal satisfaction. Wow, um, it was much more flowy in the time, but and then for Percy, it became how do I how do I make this a person that how, how do I find a positive resolution for this character? And my belief for a long time was was that there is none. It's like once you have somebody who makes this decision. Uh, very much in the same way, like uh, like like uh, Nobel being a good example of like yeah. somebody who did something f- fucking terrible, mm-hmm. and the repercussions of which we are still living, sure any living with, and sure anybody could have done it, and anybody would, but like, but not unredeemable. Well, and like, I, I mean, well, that's the question: is is he unredeemable? Yeah. Is, is, a, is a person like this? Is, 
at, at what point, uh, what is the re redemption and where does that come from and where does peace come from once you know that you have fucked up that badly? Uh, and when you know that you're a person who, in that moment, will make the wrong call. It's, it, it, it was really interesting, and I, and I couldn't believe that I found a, 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 a resolution for it. Yeah. Um, but then with like Molly, Molly was, Molly was never gonna change. That was, that was not a character looking for anything, that was a character who, that was, that was uh, Percy, Percy was Iron Man. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'm a fuck up, I need to find some resolution to myself. Molly was Captain America, which was that the world is going to have to resolve itself around me. Right, right. I'm never going to change. This is not what Captain America does. Captain America forces the world to contort around him until it breaks. Yeah. Of like, this is how a person acts. Yeah. Uh, and so, and like, very much in like the, in the, the Priscilla Queen of the Desert vein, it was going to be this no! <laughs> yeah, no! 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 Uh, every goddamn moment. Yeah. And I was—I mean, like—and I was looking forward to seeing how many situations I could get to, and just going like, "No! Yeah. No! Fuck off!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Caduceus is very similar, where it's going to be. Although I'm, since I was rushed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lord, um, I'm still trying to figure him out. But like—he's I, a lot of the same questions, and just from the opposite direction. So he, I think he's got shit kind of figured out, and so it's going to be him. Forcing the world to contort to him, interesting, in a similar way. Yeah, yeah. Not not a character looking for anything, but a character instead who's just going to warp the world around him, as opposed to be warped by the world. What do you start with? Do you start with ideas? Do you start with bonds? Do you um, start? And I'm not talking the in the traditional sense. Percy but, started with as, a script. Molly, well, right. Molly started with uh, with uh, a friend of mine, uh, um, uh, very uh, a friend of mine named uh, uh, Burning Dan. Who, yeah. Uh, um, it's a fascinating cat you can read about online. It was sadly passed on as well, but was a was a friend of mine who who uh, kind of at, at a certain age he was a, he was an IT guy and then at a certain age he was like this is bullshit and just threw it all away, and started over and became uh, uh, imaginary in this very complicated way. Yeah, and it was fun and fascinating to watch and it was really interesting watching this person sort of become a minor deity in his in his own reality. <laughs> um, and he was a big influence on on Molly. He was he was a huge influence. I mean, there were several people who were a huge influence on Molly. He was definitely one of the. He was he was the brightest of them. Uh, there were a few other darker friends of mine who were very creative people who were very passionate and very. Uh, um, it's my polite way of saying they slept around a lot. Yeah. Appropriately. Passionate. Uh, but who were tortured by that and definitely not didn't didn't do as well and emotionally from that. And then a few of my friends who were also going through. Similar uh, awakenings of, of emotional self. They, he, he, a lot of him came from that from that mount, that nervous breakdown in, yeah. in high school. Of very much the just fucking do it and it'll be fine. And I and there are things about that character I still can't talk about because they made. Yeah, I know but. that's interesting. I, I, it's funny to me because I remember talking to you about Percy and some of the people in your life too that influenced that character. And a lot of people will approach. A character they create and they'll draw from if you ask them some of the influences or some of the the people or characters that they thought about when creating a character they'll reference fictional other fictional characters and examples for you it's always people that have been in your life always or that have people. passed through always at some real point people. or that you still have a part of your life I, I'm not as interested in fictional fictional people yeah people people are far more interesting and more complicated and and uh, and Someone hasn't sat and deciphered them already. They're 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 a little more mysterious than than fictional people, right? And a lot more unpredictable. Yeah, and you can start to get these kind of 
I need, I mean, you can learn a lot from it. I don't know. I definitely, uh, I learned a lot from Percy. <laughs> what makes you comfortable in saying, I'm ready to start playing this character? What attributes do they need uh, to have? This is so actor wanky. Um, Give it to me. Wank, wank it all over It's going to be so wanked all over the bar. Um, I, I like... We have, we have towels. <sighs> Do we? And really? Max. We have straps of leather. <laughs> and Max. We have straps of leather There's and Max. There's little chunks of leather It sounds like it's going to be a good afternoon. It's, it's, it's going to be a party. Um, I like having a fundamental question of like, of like, what is this person looking for? What is this person lost? Or how is this person broken? Hmm. Or what do I want to... I mean, like, I remember when my grandfather died, I was very lost. And uh, I, the, the, phrase, the phrase that popped up several times is, I don't know who I'm impressing anymore. Hmm. And I didn't know what to do. Um, I was very, very depressed. Was it important for you to have someone to impress? I didn't. Well, way? I didn't know it. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. I, it, human mind is mysterious and filled with pitfalls. And uh, I, I, thankfully, I, uh, I've had many opportunities in my life to to be reminded that I do not know my own mind. Uh, well, so many of our actions are subconscious. They are, and it's and it's one thing to know that, and it's another thing to have it proved to yourself. To have it, yeah. Uh, and I've had had several wonderful opportunities to be proven, like. You do not know the depths of whatever. Is, there's, 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 a, there's an ocean, and there's shit happening down there, and there's some fucking Loch Ness monster shit. Yeah. And, uh, you just, you just got to be prepared for the, you know. There was that Johnny Cash on the Beast and Me. Yeah. There's like a shit's gonna go down, down sometimes, and you're not gonna be ready for it, mm. and you're not gonna know where it came from. But I assure you, it's in you. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it, it definitely when I mean, like I knew I. Dealt with a lot of death, and I'm. I, I don't want to say I'm used to the process, but I know. I know what. I know what it feels like. And yeah. I, I know how to cope with it, um, uh, pretty successfully. And I definitely was not prepared for this apathy. Wow. Uh, intense, intense. Like, what's the fucking point anymore? I've got to figure out what the point is because it's. I was apparently trying to show off, and I, I didn't know that, but apparently I was. And yeah. Now, now yeah. there's 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 nothing to. There's a void there. Yeah. There's 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 no audience. What's the fucking point? So how did you end up finding a way to overcome or combat that feeling and that sentiment of needing to impress? Um, I feel like it comes with an understanding of accepting who you are. And it's it's all internal. Need to. Yeah, it's it's yeah. that it's that moment of of of. It's it's a mix of a couple things. It's it's one, and this is so trite, but it's irritatingly true. Which is, uh, you have to you have to internalize all these processes. You have to get really good at being your own audience mm. and you have to be really good at get being being your own judge of what's interesting and what's worthwhile and and the the, the, the less the less emotional work that you can farm out to things outside of yourself <laughs> the less likely they are to be interfered with yeah. by things that you cannot control yeah that's, um, that's a good that's good advice so yeah it's 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 Harry Potter did it well it's what, what's it what's it called the 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 the, uh, the things that Voldemort had all the the, the, uh, uh, yeah, the little I'm things. only on the third book whack uh it's literature. Read it. Uh, no, but I'm like, working on it. I'm. Busy. I love that metaphor because he's he's a he's a he's a character who is who is put aspects of himself out externally, mm. which means that like there's these things that are giving him a whole bunch of of energy that are outside of himself. But it also means they're all really fucking vulnerable to a bunch of kids coming over and going, "Fuck you." Yeah. And it, that's true. That is yeah. that is such a good metaphor of like if he had just absorbed all that shit, there would have been nothing anybody could do. But he but he had ex- externalized all this shit. 
You can only do that so much before you're spread too thin. Uh, well, and it's and it and it just makes you vulnerable. Like like, yeah. you, like if, if if you're if you're that if you're that concerned with what people think of you, if a stranger can come up to you and just say something to you, and that can ruin you, that's I mean that's so your, your skin's you're not so thick vulnerable. Yeah. You're so vulnerable. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want any. I don't want any stranger to be able to fuck with my feeling of self-esteem. God no. No, you've worked too hard. No, this is thousands this of is, years. This is hard. There's been a lot of shopping involved. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, I want to be. I want to be okay when I when when someone inevitably says something shitty to me. I want to be able to be like, well, fuck you too. Jesus. Yeah. Bounce it off. God, mother raise you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Give her a slap. What type of stories get to you? What type of stories move you? I was raised on 60s pop. So I like weird introspective. I I have a terrible... We've talked about wrist cutters. Oh, man, I fucking love wrist cutters so much. I know. It's It's so good. Not a lot of people know about it, but they should find it. It's so my fucking jam. Yeah. Um, I God, did you ever see Oh Lucky Man? Yes. That was a big movie for me growing up. Uh, The Man in the Thousand Dollar Suit. Yeah. Thousand Dollar Suit. Uh... I love weird. I, I, I love. I mean, like the '60s are really my. I, I was raised by by pop '60s kids, so yeah. it was really. Um, I love. I love anything sad. I mm. love something sad, uh, like uh, Brazil. Any any good Terry Gilliam Brazil tragedy? Yeah, Brazil's a good one. Um, Why sad? Oh God! What's the What's the Doctor Who? Right? Sad is happy for deep people. It's such a shitty. Sad line. is happy, happy for, for deep, deep people. people. It's such a it's such a shitty line, but I love it so much. <laughs> That's um, a bumper sticker for someone who drives a car uh, that lives in the colony in Malibu. I, I yeah. I feel I feel I feel that 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 despair is a is an intensely important feeling, and yeah. I like artificially inducing it in myself so that I can be better prepared for it later. How do you artificially induce despair into your Brazil <laughs> by watching <laughs> something watching that brings that? Out in you, it's interesting. Angels with dirty faces, Chinatown. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a series. I have of, I have a list of films like that. Things we lost in the fire, Requiem for a Dream. Rec- Dream. Oh, I can't watch that anymore. That wrecked me. I saw that with my roommate uh, Hannah and, and really and oh yeah, we were like, well that ha- that happened. Oh god. I watched it. <laughs> I watched it with a few friends of mine that I grew up with and lived sort of a similar lifestyle to. And when we got done, uh, <laughs> when we got we That's, got that movie sobered a lot of people up. We and had then the also movie people Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> It was. It was very. Uh, yeah, catapults went in both directions when they came to that movie. Yeah, that was a that was a dumbed down version of some I, of my I, teenage years. I genuinely, I genuinely, my short bus is mine. That's a dumbed down version. Oh yeah, perks of being a wallflower. Yeah, uh, I genuinely, I, I, I used to judge people for owning a copy of Requiem for a Dream. Really? Yeah, I would have oh, ser- like yeah. if I saw it on your shelf, I would literally turn to you and go like, Why do you own that? Really? Would you come home after work like, Boy, it's been a long day. I'm gonna sit <laughs> down, put on open up a, a beer, dream. put on Requiem for a Dream, and just chill out for the weekend. <laughs> like, what? I understand seeing it once, but. Why twice? Why do you want to feel that way twice? Yeah. Good God. It's interesting to. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so funny though because for some people it probably pulls out the same things that Brazil does for oh, you. Yeah. But it is hard to understand because it's such an extreme example. It's such of an it. extreme film. Too. Yeah. It's a brilliant film. 
Of the Aronofsky ones, I'll say The Fountain is my Brazil. I only recently saw The Fountain, and it's, I, I love it. It, it went gave, over a lot of people's heads, but I find a lot of good lessons in it. Oh, it's, it's beautiful, it's and, it, and it does that thing that, like, really, um, there's a type of art that I'm really, that's it's kind of, what, what was it? It's like a static art? Yeah. It's, it's a static art where I, like, watching it, I can actually feel that tingling sensation of, like, I'm receiving information from a higher place, whatever that may be. Right. I'm I don't like, quite understand it yet, I've, but I know I'm it's learning every through. time I see it, there's something new, and I'm feeling something new, and I'm making some new insight into it, and there's a lot here, and I'm and I'm only capable of, in, of in taking so much of it. Yeah. You've had an incredibly <laughs> full and interesting and affecting life so far. Thank you. I, it's it's a little disturbing on occasion. What what's I mean, what could possibly be left on the list of stuff that you haven't experienced I, yet that you can't wait to? I asked to? that four years ago, and now I'm doing a D&D show. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, true, right? What the fuck do I do now? It's like, well, I'm doing this now. I know, who could have expected? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like, Oh, Lucky Man is a good, is such a good film in that sense. I actually, I feel like Oh, Lucky Man is, it's not my favorite film by any stretch of the imagination. It's also way too long. Yeah. Uh, nor is it Harold and Maude, which is also a great Harold and Maude's that the just best. just came to my mind. That, yeah. That, that, made me, that movie made me... Beautifully disturbing. Ruth so Gordon, I will watch Ruth Gordon do anything. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so hot. Uh, <laughs> Ruth Gordon's hot. Ruth Gordon's just hot. Just putting it out there. Hot take. Ruth, Ruth Gordon. Gordon. Give me a calendar of Ruth Gordon any day Ruth, of the week. Ruth Gordon is who I want to be dating in my yeah. 60s, man. Life is long and strange, and I keep saying yes to things. I don't know. It's and like it's. But you seem happy with those choices. Uh, they're choices. Yeah. Choices. Choices are way better than not choosing. Not choosing just means that you're at the you're at the uh, um, whims of circumstance. And mm. sometimes you are, and there's it's inevitable. And, and I've had some shitty times. I've had plenty of shitty times. Yeah. Uh, I've got weird chemical imbalances that send me skyrocketing. I've like. A week. I had a depressive episode a week ago. It was thankfully short, and I medicated, and I'm. Yeah, I mean, my, dude, my wiring has been all right. fucked up for ages, so I know exactly. What I'll, you're I'll sit there about. and think I'm shit for a week. That happens all the time. Yeah, uh, but you're the only person sitting there thinking that Talis and Jaffe is shit, though. I'm I, thankfully no. Thankfully, there are there are people <laughs> out in the world who think I'm shitty and have legitimate reasons for thinking so. I just know them all personally. Anybody who doesn't know me who thinks I'm shit is full of shit. Yeah, exactly. No, there's a couple people who genuinely like, they're like, he did this and this. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. I did. Yeah. But <laughs> that's a good... That's Apolo a, apology owed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's a sign of, you know, someone who's in touch with their own shittiness. I don't trust anyone who's never apologized. No, definitely not. No, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a shit person immediately. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've been an asshole to people, Jesus. Teenage asshole? Te I've been a big teenage asshole. Just the biggest teenage <laughs> asshole. <laughs> You look fantastic, by the Thank way. Thank you. I don't even. You know, I'm not bisexual, but there's really no denying the amount of sexual energy that Always is a good in time a room to start. That where both of us are at the it same is, time. It is. <laughs> Life's short. Do something to a Life's bagel. Life's short. Do something to a bagel. I gotta say, like, man, it's it's it, it's a uh, life can be very good. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's where I'm ending it. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Dude, thank you for the drink. These this blonde is men fucking hadn't. me up. Look, we went, we made it all the way mm. down to the bottom. We're all the way down to the Bronx. Uh, thanks, dude. Absolute fucking pleasure. You're awesome. Oh, God. So nice to know you. So nice to know you. Now we never have to speak again. This is it. <laughs> this is it for the next 2,000 years until See we meet again. 2019. 2119. That's 100 oh. years. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating or review if you'd like. Until next time, don't forget to love each other.